How important is it, do you think, for long-term success that those values may not be exactly the same, because that would be unfair ask, I think, but they, they at least are complementary to each other? Uh, man, you know, uh, that is... That question makes me smile. You know, one of the biggest things that I've that I've learned that, that's in line with that is is the value of time, right? What is going on, Summit Chasers? This next guest is officially a good friend of mine, whether he knows it or not. Mr. Ray Trevino. Now, this one gets deep as he talks about how he became crystal clear on his life's purpose. And we talk how to juggle workplace relationships, the difference between love and admiration, especially in leadership, and the importance of defining your life values and being consistent between your values in the workplace and in your everyday life. Ray is the founder of Pioneer Texas System and of Balanced Purpose Strategies and the host of the Balanced Purpose podcast that I was a guest on. So go check out his podcast after you listen to this one. So sit back and get your notebooks out. This one, maybe get a protein shake and a sugar-free granola bar and then enjoy the show. should do that. No, no, no. It's good. I was like, this is good. Just start, start recording. Um, so anyways, so continue, continue what you're, we were talking about. So we, we were talking beforehand uh, about kind of the, where's the line? that you draw between your boss employee and then like that outside friend relationship. So you were, you were going on with some good stuff. We just hit record. So I'm going to let, <laughs> I'm going to let Ray continue. <laughs> so, so yeah. So er, er, earlier in my life, I've, I've worked for several organizations out of college. I worked for Methodist hospital in their education uh, department. Then when I went into the fitness industry, I was running gyms, traveling around. I was part of an acquisitions teams that, We'd go scout out either franchisees to buy or new land to build on. And, you know, when you're, I was, I was in my early thirties and that's a pretty impressionable age. You know, you just want to hang out with everybody. I was a single guy having a great time. And so sometimes there'd be people that, that I just wanted to hang out with. I interview a new sales manager, they come in and I'm like, Hey man, you want to hang out later? Grab some beer, go, go work out. And, and, you know, sometimes there, there's there's a level of professionalism that you certainly want to keep because it 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 keeps that that mode of respect there you know mm -hmm. and, and when you go out with an associate who you're supposed to be uh their mentor their leader their boss however you want to look at it it kind of destroys that when you all of a sudden turn into a 15 year old after three shots of tequila and you know you're bouncing off a bar mm -hmm. saying things saying things that just mm -hmm. aren't in line with with any mission values or or whatever it may be. And so that's something that I, I had to learn the hard way because it does destroy respect. Um, mm -hmm. And even, even now as a business owner, it's been, it's been kind of the same thing. While I really don't drink uh, anymore, it's still, you know, being mindful of what you say, what you do and who you are around these people. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and you want to, my biggest thing, and, and I went through a, a phase in my life of, alcoholism and, you know, I almost lost everything. And so when I decided to go into business for myself, I took a different approach. I no longer was going to make friends. I was going to serve everyone, you know, and, and mm -hmm. when I, when I, when I chose this mission of service, it no longer meant that my associates were going to be my friends, but they're going to be my family and I'm going to help them grow and they're going to help other, other people grow. And, and it all, it's something that radiates from the inside out. And, you know, before in the corporate world, uh, prior to my catalyst event in 2019, when I was in the corporate world, I cared about what everybody thought about us. You know, it's always the client first, you know, you take care of your client, they take care of us, you know, let's drive these numbers. Let's, 
we're going to hit 20 million this year at this one facility. We'll hit 50 at the other. And, and it's about numbers and it's not necessarily about the people. And when you're hanging out with like your sales manager, you're getting drunk with them and you're trying to get them to a drive sales. It usually destroys that level of respect. And they're like, man, if you, you know, what are you going to do? Right. But, uh, <clears throat> Uh, and that was prior to 2019, but in 2019, uh, actually, I, can I get into the story? It's pretty, uh, in, in 2019, I had a, a, a bout with alcoholism where, um, I mean, I'd always, I was always a party guy. It just, I was, I was Mr. Fun guy. I was a fun boss. It like, people just liked me. It was just one of those weird things. And so fast forward 2019, I'm married. I have a six month old baby, a year and a half old son. And uh, I end up getting three DWIs, three, not one, not two, not three, not one, not two, but three. And uh, in the state of Texas, that's considered felony. That's prison time. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm automatically this guy who, who runs multi-million dollar companies, does whatever he wants, you know, uh, is about to go to prison. That's life. It's over. And so it was a, a dark time that I went through that, that shifted the entire way that I see things. You know, because prior to that catalyst event, I sure I was successful at everything I did. I'm, you know, I, I, in my own eyes, and and that was because I was selfish. You know, I cared about what other people thought, and so when I went through through this event, I realized that I was living life the wrong way. I was doing everything wrong. Everything it was from the outside in. I was trying to keep up with the Joneses all around me. When what mattered most was what was at home: my son, my daughter, my wife. Right. And and I had a, a spiritual moment. I was working on some proposals for the company that I was about to leave because it that that's a whole story in itself. Uh, and, and this light just shined on me. And it was have you ever heard of the movie The Sixth Sense with Bruce Willis? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and in that moment where he realizes that he was dead, that was mm-hmm. like me. I'm sitting there and, and my life flashes before my eyes. I'm like, dude, I've been like I would just get on a plane, you know with a wife at home that was pregnant, I'd, I'd go to Mexico, I'd go to Houston. I, I just did whatever I want, which was, it was sick. It was kind of sick. Right. And I would see things like this. And of course my earlier childhood and, and all that. And I, and I realized that I was just completely, completely living life the wrong way. And I just became so depressed and I went into a hole and I said, how do I fix this? And, and at that time I was probably drinking, I don't know, eight to 10 margaritas a day. I could go through a bottle of whiskey a day I would wake up Saturday mornings before taking the family out to breakfast and I had a Irish Irish coffee, you know, I'd pour freaking a nice little chunk of whiskey in my coffee and we'd go. You know, I'm over here driving with two uh toddlers and and my wife. How safe was that? And these are all the things that that kind of just plagued on me and from from that that cafe table I shut my computer down. I quit my job and I went straight to AA, like within 20 minutes of that whole moment, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, my boss, my boss, try, he, the, my boss at the time was trying to get me back. And I just, I couldn't do it because he, he was, he was one of the influences that I had that kept me drinking. You know, he had his own issues and we won't get into that, but you know, I, I make my own choices and, and him and I would drink a lot. And so I knew that I had to, just cut off my life completely, you know, from the job to everything else. I didn't have a plan. Uh, I had to give my attorney $25,000 just to take my case. Uh, because again, I was, I was driving 98 miles an hour down a highway, 
with cops chasing me, just was, I was drunk. I was, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. and so that drained our savings account. Cause when you're an alcoholic and you're doing whatever you want, you really don't save too much money. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had cool cars, cool watches, lived in a cool house, but nothing, nothing was prepared for the future. It was all for right now. And, uh, I went, I went directly to AA and, you know, as soon as I walk in the meeting, of course, the first impression was these guys are all crybabies. I don't even know what I'm doing here. I'm nothing like them, but I kept going, right? I kept going and I kept going and I knew that that wasn't for me. So during this time of surrender, uh, I, I checked myself into rehab and I went to rehab. And even though I went through an entire uh, questionnaire on how bad my alcoholism was, they still said it wasn't that bad that I didn't need to be, uh, I, I could, I could get by with a six week outpatient program. And I'm like, all right, whatever, whatever it takes. And so I ended up staying in rehab for six months. I really liked it. You know, even after my six week program was over, I continued, uh, for six months, I would just go, I would mentor, I would teach. Cause a lot of the people going into rehab are people that were getting out of prison. And, and, and this is where mm-hmm. I found my purpose and my passion, you know, and, and during this time, I'm still really depressed and we had no money and, and we're about to lose the house, lose the cars. I've got these two little babies and a wife that I have to take care of. And so, you know, there was a moment where I was in my office, you know, my nine millimeters right here, because the one bill that I had continued to pay was my life insurance policy. Mm -hmm. And I knew, I knew that, you know what, if, if I just, ended it right here that they would be taken care of the house would be taken care of you know they would have a chance to to start over and so i got on my knees and and i'm I'm a christian i'm very open about that got on my knees i started praying and that's when i opened up my scriptures to to mark 10 45 where it's three the son of man came not to be served not to be served but to serve and give his life for a ransom and man it was it was crystal clear on on what happened? It made sense to the vision I saw at the gym's cafe and made sense to what I needed to do. And, and I told God, I don't even care what it is, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do my life is yours. And I surrendered everything. And I knew that I had to get up off my ass because everything, everything was about to go bye-bye and we were about to be on the streets. And so I started calling, uh, every contact that I knew, every single person that I knew just saying, Hey, do you have any odd jobs, any work, anything here? And, and here I am again, I've, I've worked in the corporate world for great companies. I've climbed the ladder. I've done everything that I needed to do to be successful. And here I am begging for work. Right. But the difference is I, there was no ego involved. I could care less what anybody Mm -hmm. thought of me at that point. And I knew that God did his job. And so I'm like, I need to start a business. I don't know what it's going to be. And I started getting calls from people. Hey, can you come move this or clean this? Or, you know, I started mowing post office for 200 bucks on the weekends. And and while this wasn't substantial enough to pay my bills, right. uh, It still fed my kids and we were still able to make it another week, another day. And I even, you know, got involved with the church. The church stepped up and paid a month of our mortgage and so we started trying to figure out, uh, number one, what, what kind of business can I start? Where do I start? Right. And then number two, like, how are we going to make it another day? And so we, we started, I figured I'd been a high taxpayer for a very long time. So 
I went straight to government programs, to food stamps, to everything and anything that I could do to make sure that my family was secure and safe while I went to work. And before creating uh, Pioneer Texas, which is one of my businesses now, before creating Pioneer Texas, I didn't even have an idea. I just created a mission and a vision. The vision was to create a profitable company that serves others and honors God. And then the mission was service to all for a greater purpose. And that's what I went off of. And, you know, my my biggest relationships were with, with because I've done real estate, I've done just about everything. And my biggest relationships were with commercial real estate companies, building owners, property managers, you know, due to the life that I had and the ability to make friends and not burn bridges, even though I was a drunk asshole that did whatever he wanted, uh, it still helped out, right? People still respected me and liked me. And so I called up a buddy and I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm starting this business, you know, and, and I did this because I was scared to do this alone. And I called him, I'm like, hey, I'm going to start this business. I don't care where you're at in your life. I just want to see if you've got my back. And he said, yeah, he was working another job. And I go, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build this business to about $100,000 a year, and then I'll need you to come help me. And uh, lo and behold, through this through this entire time, I'm still uh, I'm going to rehab. I'm going to AA. I'm working with my attorney. I'm, I'm just trying to do everything and anything to just be the best person that I can possibly be for my family, for the world, you know, because that's the impact that that I needed to have as as this this guy who could have killed a million people driving drunk down the road. And so I started this company uh, and it was Pioneer, Texas. And what was I doing at the time? I was moving stuff, cleaning stuff and mowing stuff. And I'm like, well, this is the company. And so, uh, so I got a call from a, a couple of commercial property managers that are like, Hey, do you do janitorial? I was like, yeah, <laughs> I did. Right. But I, but I knew contractors from construction and, and I knew how to, I know how to put things together. I'm, I'm really good at that, not to toot my own horn. And so I'm like, yeah, I can do it. And so I started throwing out RFPs and throwing out bids. And this is the end of 2019. And we actually landed a contract with World Gym uh, for, and we were cleaning one gym. It was like $5,000 a month or something. And I got a subcontractor in there to clean it. And uh, so that, that was, that was our first sign of life. And Come January 2020, I I probably got 10 people saying, hey, Ray, I heard you started a, a janitorial company. Our building needs this. Our building needs this. Our building needs this. And uh, also, I was working with my president of Gold's Gym, Danny Wagner. Uh, and I was like, Danny, can I just try a few gyms? And so we were bidding out five gyms in Austin. And right around March, uh, right around March, we were set to start a couple of the properties and then the world shut down. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, Oh gosh, you know, what happens now? What, what happens now? Like I, it, it just completely crushed me. And, and I thought that that was the biggest curse ever. You know, I was like, God, I've been doing everything that I needed to do. I'm sorry. You know, what, what can we do? COVID turned out to be the biggest blessing because from this, uh, and it was, it was probably another two months. It was, March and then April, uh, I get a call from uh, someone over at, there's a mall here in, in, in San Antonio, I live in Spring Branch, but in San Antonio, Texas called North Star Mall. And somebody had gone in there with a COVID, they, they had, they were positive COVID and they freaked out. And so this lady, Mary Causey called me from a company in Dallas and she's like, Hey Ray, I heard you had a janitorial company. Uh, there's a big scare. You know, I hear you're really a good guy. Like she gave me the whole spiel because I had no idea who she was. 
she heard of me from someone else and she's like can you please bid on on this mall we need to clean then we need to clean by nine o'clock tonight and i'm like holy crap i don't even know if i can get supplies or people or any of that but i but i did it you know i sent her a bid sent her a bid for thirty five hundred dollars and then she calls me back at 6 p.m three hours before we needed to get the the place clean and she said are you sure these numbers are correct and i said yeah i mean that's labor that's uh supplies and then 20 percent margin She's like, okay, because the closest bidder to you bid at 25000 And I'm like, oh, you know, people were taking advantage of the whole COVID thing. But, but needless to say, we got that contract, and then it led, led to other things. And the, uh, in May of 2020, um, the government, government started doing COVID programs. And so we ended, up, we ended up saving our house, right, because of the loss of job because of COVID. Ended up saving our cars. And then Danny Wagner from gold's gym gives me a call one day and uh he said hey ray he's like remember those five gyms in austin uh that we were bidding on i'm like yeah he's like uh well you didn't get them i'm like dude what the fuck you know why why are you calling me to tell me this and then he says uh well i have another question do you think you can handle the whole portfolio and i was like what he's like yeah and i go yeah yeah dude and so uh by june of 2020 literally uh, about a year after the company started, we were a seven-figure company. That was a $2 million contract right off the bat. And after that, like all of the uh, commercial property buildings started opening back up. And, and the contacts that I'd been working on so diligently, the people that I'd known and, and helped and did things for free and continued to help, all started jumping on board. And we just we kind of blew up from there in a, in a service company that I'd never really done in my life before. You know, I've, I've I've run gyms. I've been in the medical industry. I've done all kinds of things. And so uh, fast forward to my court date, because I'm still freaking out during this entire time about going to prison because they, they wanted to, they said it was a mandatory 10 year prison. I would have to do a minimum of six months. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. The day of my court date, it was a Zoom Zoom call. And that morning, my attorney calls me up. He's like, hey, man, get everything in line because you're going to go for at least six months. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, the business was already going. I had my partner who had stepped in, and I could I could make it six months. Anything over six months, I, I don't know. Well, it was that morning, the judge's son was sick of COVID, so he had to take an emergency trip. They had to get a fill-in judge from Dallas to come in, who ended up being my attorney, one of my attorney's college buddies never went to jail. I got the minimum probation. Like it, like, like it was crazy. Right. And so I knew I'm like, I'm like, dude, God, the stars are completely aligned. And, uh, so going back to, to your question about how, how, how I do things, I, I treat my associates as family. So we serve from the inside out, right? A lot of companies will say the client comes first and that's not true right? Your associates come first because what you radiate from the inside, what you, what you, uh, water on the inside radiates to the out, right? Just like love, love and kindness come from the heart and it grows out. And, and so we've done a really good job And while it isn't all rainbows and unicorns, you know, that's the short version. There've been a lot of growing pains in between. I don't know if anyone out there has ever scaled a business from zero to seven figures, you know, from 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 nothing, I literally had five thousand dollars on a credit card, and that's how I started the business. The cash flow issues, uh, supply issues, all. I mean, I can I can do a one hour class on each of those. The wrong CPA, the wrong attorney, uh, a 
lawsuits, just there are so many things that have happened, you know, in a short amount of time. But we've maintained our key focus on our associates. And everyone around can see that, you know, our property property managers can see that, our clients can see that, our associates see that. And and in the uh labor world, because we're 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 a labor company in the labor world, I mean there there are groups, they all have their groups. And so we have people that are coming for work. There was a time last year where where a lot of companies out there couldn't find associates and we didn't have a single problem in finding people. You know, we had other issues, right, with uh clients either paying on time or just, you know, the the basic growing pains. But when it came to having associates, we we didn't even have a problem. So it was kind of cool. But uh gosh, I could keep talking forever. Just tell me to shut up at any time. No, so if you if you, <laughs> if you have a question, if you have a question, throw it in. So so with the so the balanced purpose podcast is is something that's that stems from my purpose. Right. My purpose is to serve people. Pioneer Texas, that company is just it's just the the, the it's the mode of the purpose. So Balance Purpose Podcast is something that's allowing me to build a community because Balance, Balance Purpose Podcast is actually part of the organization that I'm creating, which is Balance Purpose Strategies, which is going to be an organization of coaches and mentors and people that can help on a grand level. And uh, you're part of that. I, I hope you know that. But the uh, the people that Honored. the people, well, the people that I interview and bring on on to the podcast or, or a, it's a very selected group. Like everybody has their own specialty, their own niches. And and when you listen, I mean, you have people from all ages, all types, all categories that can work and help in every area. My personal, uh, my personal perfect client is a client that's just getting out of prison. The client that's overcoming addiction, the client that has nothing. Right. And those are the people that I want to help. I'm creating a curriculum right now. I'm working with the local food bank to uh to work on a program called food for life you know if they're in there looking for food if they're trying to make it i want to help them get to the next level you know if you look at things like maslow's hierarchy right the only way you're ever going to level up is if you're secure in, in the previous level and if you don't have food home or shelter you're not going to be able to level up to the next level you're never going to be able to reach reach that top level that's going to grant you what you need what you want what you wish for right and all of that it pays back tenfold but having the right people in place the right support group, you know, I want to be able to help people through balanced purpose strategies from nothing to, you know, C-level execs that are just wanting a career change or, you know, and, and so it's something that's going to touch all categories. I, uh, I tend to dream big if you haven't noticed yet. <laughs> that's why we so. get along so well though, right? <laughs> that's a big yeah, part why, yeah. but there, when, when you were, when you were explaining the, this whole journey that you've been on, there's there was a saying that kept coming into my mind, and it's the like you, you you truly become or you understand what it takes to be a leader when you know the difference. You understand the difference between love and admiration. Like if you want people, because if we're, if we're just chasing, like obviously we want people to love us. Like that's that's you know that's what life's about. But we want to give the love just as much as we want to receive it. But if you're always chasing, you know, people like you or you know the, the love from other people then that doesn't necessarily equate to them admiring you doesn't necessarily equate to them respecting what you do they just they just love you right like if you everyone can think of if you you know family members or you think of like the first five family members or 10 family members or people in your life that that you love or love you back 
how many of them do truly admire what they're trying to accomplish? Like it probably wouldn't be a hundred percent of them. Right. Yeah. But if you, but if you, right. Then if you ask the same question, okay, how many people do you admire and respect? Right. Like that's, that's, that's a different thing, right? That's, that's mm-hmm. where they might not, you know, you're not chasing their love or their, you know, for them just to like you or go out and have beers with them all the, all the time. Right. But you're, they respect what you've done. They respect your hard work. They respect what you give back to them. And they, they understand that you, you want what's best for them and that you're going to do what you need to do to get them to where they want to be. And all it's not always going to be rainbows. It's going to be, hey, do you want to go out for a beer? No, go to bed. We have a meeting in the morning. Mm-hmm. Or we have a class to go to or you you committed to this habit or whatever it is. Like that's, they, they probably won't like you in that moment, but they'll, remind, they'll admire you and respect you. you. You know, one of the biggest things that I've, that I've learned that, that's in line with that is, is the value of time, right? So everybody's, everybody's time has, has a certain, and I, I hate wording it this way, but I am, it has a price tag to it, you know? And when I think about somebody asking me to go out for a beer or to go out and talk, I think about the situation, you know, how is, is this going to bring value to you? Is it going to bring value to me? Am I helping you? If you're, if you're sad, you're depressed, you know, something's going on. I probably won't get, go have a beer with you, but I'll go grab some coffee to where we can have a really good conversation and dig deep into what's going on. You know, if you're celebrating, you're like, man, something just happened. You know what? I'll, I'll go have a beer with you, you know, and, and, you know, it's things like that. And it's knowing when to say no, knowing what's actually going to bring value in what is. And I've spent so much time in my life that's just wasted on, on nothing, on crap, you know, and, and that's one thing that really stood out to me when I, when I was sitting there reflecting on how many moments, even though, uh, how many moments could I possibly miss with my kids? I'm so, I'm so blessed that they were so young during that time in my life. You know, Ezra was a year and a half. Bella was six months. And you know, one, I, I wrote down everything, I have it on my wall, everything, you know, I'm going to come home. I'm going to come home every night and I'm going to sleep with my family. There are times when I can't, right. But there has to be a value involved in me missing that time. It has to be a business opportunity or something that something that requires my time. Uh, every morning, every single day is bookended. Like every morning I spend with my family, right? I wake up in prayer, I meditate, I go to the gym and I come hang out with my family before they go to school. When they go to school, my wife and I on Mondays and Wednesdays, we'll go have lunch and we'll go, we'll go hang out. And then I, then I work, you know, every day by four o'clock, I do my best to be done. You know, unless I have some random Toastmasters meeting or a random uh, podcast to be on. But four o'clock, it's off. I'm I'm their soccer coach. I'm at every single ballet class, and these are things that I wrote in before I even started a job. These are my non-negotiables. And there was a, a company that I interviewed with while I was going through court, uh, based out of uh, Wisconsin, and they needed a national sales exec. The requirements, though, were traveling five days a week. You know, I'd I'd leave Monday and I'd come home every Friday, and I was like, no. I don't care how much the job pays. It, it's just, no, you know, I've got, I've got very specific goals and now for the rest of my life, my family is my priority because that's my heart and that's, what's going to radiate out. What I teach my kids is going to, it's, they're going to teach it out. It's going to go back out into the world. You know, they're going to love, they're going to be kind and they're going to know that their time is worth something. Right. I didn't grow up that way. I, I, I grew up in a very dysfunctional home, you know, which is a podcast in itself. So we'll save that one for later, but knowing exactly the value and where you spend your time is very important. It just really is. 
you know, whether, whether you're investing in someone else or yourself, there has to be a value to it. Otherwise it's just time gone. Yeah. Well, that was a very good point that you made because some people, you know, they, they understand that premise, right? They know that they need to respect their time, but they don't know where to start. But you made a very good point for you where you really intentionally set your values. This is, these are my non-negotiables. These are my principles. These are, these are the things that no matter what. So in there, if somebody's looking to make a change, right. And they, and, or they need to decide where to put their time, what are your values? Cause that's going to help you prioritize. That's going to be how you prioritize. Like for you, it was a great job. It sounded like a great opportunity, but these are my non-negotiables, right? I need to be able to, you know, I want to be able to sleep in my bed. I want to be able to, you know, tuck my kids in at night. Those are my non-negotiables. And if you define those, then it really is going to narrow, narrow down your priorities, the opportunities that you do take advantage of what you say no to and, and where you allocate your time. So that's a, that kind of brings me into my, a question that I, it's a perfect segue into the question that I wanted to ask you is how, how important is it? Cause I see it so often where business owners or leaders in general, they don't separate or sorry, they do separate their values almost like you can't even, they're almost like two different people. So the values that they have in business are so different and almost polar opposite to their values in their life. So how important is it, do you think, for long-term success that those values may not be exactly the same, because that would be unfair ask, I think, but they, they at least are complementary to each other? Uh, man, you know, uh, that is that question makes me smile because it's something, another thing that I'm I'm very, very adamant about. Only because the saying is the way you do one thing is the way you do everything, right? And so, and I've met, I've met, I was one of them. You know, I've met CEOs and people that are great bosses, great leaders, treat their staff great, and then come home and treat their family like shit. And that's one thing that, that's one thing that I never want to be or become or ever be again, right? If I'm going to, if I'm going to be kind to a stranger, I'm going to be kind to my wife. If I'm going to love a stranger, I'm going to love my family. And so while I understand the point, I think that it's extremely important to be who you are all the time, because not only is it mentally draining, physically draining, it's, it's just, it's exhausting to change masks all the time, you know? And then just like that old Japanese saying, we all wear three masks, the ones we show in public, the ones we show to our close friends and the ones we show ourselves. And, and it shouldn't be that way. You should be able to just be yourself at all times. And it's and, and again, a lot of the things that I say sound easy, but they are hard and it takes work and you have to be intentional about it every minute of the day. The, the one thing that I can't impose more on people is to just slow down, slow down and think about what your next action is, right? For guys like us, you know, that are used to going a million miles an hour, sometimes it's tough. Like, I can't tell you, I, I had to hit my mid four, I was 44 when, uh, actually 42, when all of that happened. And, and, uh, it took me that long to figure out, you know what, dude, you're going way too fast and you're going to burn yourself out, you know? And, and I, I think, and again, to your point, I think it's very important to be who you are. Just be yourself. Well, it's much easier and, to be consistent that way. Right. And if you, if, you if, they're, if they're too, it's just so much, it's so much easier. And it's just so much more, it's, it's just a much more long-term play. And I think like I can, I can speak for myself, but I want to ask you this question too. You know, when I, when I got into mine, I was much younger, obviously, but when I got into my, you know, making bad decisions, drugs and that kind of stuff, 
I was, it was a lot of it because I was escaping who I was pretending to be because I thought that who I was wasn't good enough or it wasn't, wasn't allowed. Maybe not good enough, but it wasn't allowed. And so that, that was your, your form of escapism. But the, I think the point, the lesson there is either you slow down so that you can see things for what it is, right? And, and slow down and be intentional about your values, about the choices you're making, about who you are, or life's going to slow it down for you. And a lot of times mm-hmm. it's not as pretty. A lot of times it's the rehab. A lot of times it's mm-hmm. not having a place to live. A lot of times it's rock bottom. And, and if you, but if you proactively allow yourself to slow down and, and take that inventory, I think it's much more likely, nothing's guaranteed in, in life, but it's much more likely that you won't have to learn the lesson that hard way. Right. Yeah. So my question uh, stemming off of that for you, what was it that do you, you feel led you down initially led you down that, that path? Oh gosh. So, I mean, that goes all the way to childhood for me. You know, I grew up, I grew up, uh, I had four sisters. I was the only boy, two older sisters, two younger sisters. Um, my parents did not have money. You know, my dad was, uh, he was in the military aircraft mechanic, but he was an aspiring musician too. And I think that, I think that he, uh, I think he resented the family just because there were so many of us and it never really allowed him to be who he wanted to be or the musician he wanted to be. So he, he was an alcoholic. He was very abusive. He beat my mom. He beat the kid. It was, it was that kind of life. Right. And so for me, you know, I'd hide under my bed. I'd escape into anything that I could, you know, I, I, I escaped into my mind and, um, they finally divorced when I was in the seventh grade, but never, I never really established a true identity, right? I never knew who I was, uh, because as a kid, I really didn't watch much TV or do any of that. I was always just in my own mind, you know, which, which I'm happy because I, 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 it, it was good because it allowed me to think and expand my mind, but then it was bad because I, I created my own prisons in there, you know, and as I got older and this is, uh, as I got older, um, oh, and then going back to my parents, like they they didn't have money, but they always had to drive the, the Lincoln town cars and the Cadillacs. And, you know, instead of actually investing in their family and their kid and their futures, they were, they just cared about what they looked like and what other people thought. So they were very critical, both of them, you know, they would, they would compare us. It was a very, it was tough. They would compare us to everybody. And, and, it just wasn't a great dynamic. But finally, when my, my dad left, because my dad was very controlling, and we couldn't leave the house or do any of that. I finally was allowed to play sports and sports. That was my outlet, man. I was good at football, basketball, baseball, soccer, everything I did. I was able to just and I think most I think my uh, skills came from anger because that was my outlet. Right. For everything that I had built up. And so seventh and eighth grade, I, I, I did very well. And uh when I was in the ninth grade, actually my sophomore year during football season, after the first football game, I was in a car accident. I went through a windshield that completely destroyed my face. Like I had to, I had reconstructive surgery on my nose four times. My lip was sliced all the way through. You can't tell anymore. Uh, and so that, that completely destroyed my life, dude, that, you know, because I'd, I'd grown up to that point being compared to everybody. So it's like, you know, why are you so ugly? Why, why are you this? Why? Like, like that's how critical they were. And then all of a sudden here I am, I'm deformed. Right. And so I went, that's where the depression started. And, uh, 
at least then I was allowed to watch TV. So like I literally, I would skip school. I wouldn't go to school for weeks. Uh, then I'd, I'd go in just to get what I needed done. And then I wouldn't go again. I remember I had a, a an algebra teacher, Randall Turner, who, who he's the reason I, I, I got through high school and I got through the summer after my senior year, but because he would make it a point to, he'd come over to my fucking house and be like, Trevino, he's an old Marine, Trevino, get out, come on. And he, he would, he would make sure that I went, got my work done and he'd work with me and, you know, and, and so after that, I kind of, I left, I left my mom's house and moved to Houston and just, and, and tried to make it on my own. And so when I moved to Houston, that allowed me the opportunity to be whoever I wanted. Right. And so it was like, whatever's on TV. Like I was watching shows like 90210 and Point Break and, you know, these cool surfer guys. And so, you know, I moved to Houston and what did I do? I started surfing in Galveston and, and so I never really had a chance to form an identity. All everyone was ever doing on TV was partying hanging out with a bunch of girls, driving cool cars. And, and what did I do? I bartended, hung out with a lot of girls. I went to community college up in Houston and, and surfed. And so it kind of just went from there. And I realized it was at that point, which was the first point in my life that I realized that people liked me. Like I had, like people just, I could talk to anybody, you know, old, young. And so that's when, uh, I think that's when I created this whole uh, persona of this partying guy that everybody likes. And, and that's who I was for a very long time. And, and it helped me when I got, I came back to, uh, to New Braunfels to San Marcos and it helped me with my jobs, with my careers. And, and I just, I soared from there. And, and that's why I have a very, a very diverse, uh, resume, but it's a very good resume, you know, because if I, I was never any good at finishing anything, but I was always good at climbing and then just getting bored, you know, and, and I never, I never was able to establish that identity or that purpose to figure out where I wanted to go, which is why I bounced around so much. I mean, I, I didn't get married till I was 38, right? So that kind of tells you something there. Uh, nothing was ever good enough. And after years of therapy, I finally figured out nothing was ever good enough because I was never any good enough, right? You know, it started at a very early age. I was never good enough. I was never like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a stud by any means. I'm not you know, some big time athlete. I'm not a big time. So I, I was always just a guy, right. You know, in, in, in my own eyes. And so that's why I was always fighting for the next thing. And, and, uh, again, not until 2019, not until that moment that I realized that I do have purpose and it's not about me, that I am good enough. And it's not about me because I look back on my life, dude, I've accomplished more than most of the people I even know pretty easily too. You know, the the things that got in my way were was the lack of direction, not ever gaining an identity, not really having a father figure there to, to teach me or to talk to me or, you know, and, and yeah, I think I lost track of where I was going, but I hope I came close to answering your question. <laughs> no, 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 it, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. It's just interesting how like we're the way our brains work. It's very interesting. It? Like we, we go through, whether it's a, a singular traumatic experience or a, a collection of time, like rough time that we, we go through, whether it's, you know, like a, a parent or us thinking that we're not good enough or not fitting in in school. But then, and even if that lasts for two or three years, we will torture ourselves with that for the rest of our lives if we don't put it in check. So it's very interesting how, how we, we naturally do that. Just the way, our, our, again, our brains are wired 
to like we were monkeys like three days ago in the grand scheme of things right like we were mm-hmm. running away from cats the size of polar bears like it was, mm-hmm. it, evolutionarily not that long ago so our brains are so fixated on this is bad avoid it this is bad cover it up and it's it's difficult for us to at least take that you know it, it takes 30 seconds of courage sometimes to to overcome a lifetime of you know mistakes trauma bad habits that kind of thing but it's it's so hard for us to to see it for what it is where it's like this happened to me once or for a short period of time grand scheme of things short period of time i need to not let it keep doing that to me technically we're doing it to ourselves now we're our own worst enemy Mm -hmm. somebody did something bad to you over once or over a short period of time but then we do it to ourselves for another 20 years like who who's who's hard that that event or that person or ourselves right and a lot of times it's our it's ourselves and if we can if we can learn how to reframe those things and take take the lessons and and i love the lesson that you i don't know if you meant to teach it to the people listening but you said like your your resume like we need it's not just your work resume it's your life resume it's the lessons that you came from i overcame this so why can't i figure this out right i'm here now just in spite of this i can definitely probably figure like i can do this like i can overcome this i can figure this out and then when you when you start giving it credit like that and like your your post on when you release my podcast is it helps you release those shackles Mm-hmm. right because now they're, they're no longer shackles they're it's just another line on your resume for a reason that you are able to be successful in the future like that's and, very and I think, it's a, it's, go ahead well I, that's why i loved our conversation so much because you said you know there were so many things uh the doom loop you know like gosh i was on that thing forever round and round like i i, I visualized it i visualized my life and and the shackles, I know all about them, but it's through our own resumes or life stories or experiences that we're able to help others, which is why I feel community is so important. That's one of the biggest things. I'm trying to reach as many people as I possibly can, you know, and, but you have to be very intentional about it and you have to want it because there are people out there that don't think that they can get out of what they're in, you know, and, and once the more, the more people we reach, the more people we can bring awareness to, which can bring awareness to more people who may not even know that there's help out there, you know, whether it's free or through a podcast or however it is. Exactly. Exactly. And like on that, the whole doom loop thing, I had, I had forgot that we had actually talked about that, but that it's, it's, I mean, it's easy to say, like, figure out what your doom loop is, like what, what that default loop that you put yourself through is, but sometimes it's really subtle. And sometimes that loop happens over years. So, and I resonated big time. Because I think, I mean, I, I don't think I know. I was in a very similar spot where I was very good at starting things. I was very good at, like, working really, really hard. And then I was also really good at being bored <laughs> and then moving on. But then a lot of times, and sometimes it's just because we don't know, again, being intentional about defining your values and principles and your purpose. And then once you do that, you'll never get bored kind of thing. But it's uh, identifying that, that, that doom loop of what it is because sometimes it's just, I'm going to start something. And then when it gets to the point where, okay, it's a little bit outside of something that I've been able to accomplish before, or I haven't done it before. So therefore I'm insecure about it, or I don't deserve to have this type of success. So I'm just gonna, I'm going to go look for another job or I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to school and try something else. Like sometimes it's subtle and almost seems, it almost seems like it's serving, like it's a pot, like it serves you positively. 
but a lot of times it's not. If you keep pivoting, you're, you're not you're not giving yourself a chance to succeed. You're not giving yourself a chance to figure out what your your purpose is and to figure out what you truly can be amazing at. That's so true. How many people? How many people do you speak to that are always wanting to start something different? Like one week they're doing this, and then the next week they're going back to school. Like everything, everything you just said sounds like about twenty people I'm talking to right now. I'm like, dude strategic plan let's put it on paper get it together get through this yeah and and i i get it i was there i always wanted to be someone else and and not until the intentionality of everything that i do like my my days are scheduled very intentional you know and even though i will i will say this there's still chaos in between from nine to four o'clock there's chaos things move around all the time i do know that monday's dedicated to pioneer texas tuesday's dedicated to the podcast Wednesday's dedicated to accounting and, and Pioneer Texas. Uh, Thursday's balanced purpose strategies and Fridays. Fridays I work with the food bank and then that's my my day of community. So I schedule I'll schedule two calls or so with somebody brand new uh, on LinkedIn or just to continue to grow it, right? And so and then Saturday Sunday those are that's why family uh, and we travel a lot too, so much, mm-hmm. but. It, it wasn't, we weren't able to do it until it was on the paper and it's crazy. And that's what I find fascinating about how, how strong the mind is. If we can think it, we can do it. Like in 2019, when I was about to shoot myself here in my office, I never thought that less than a year later that I'd be living out the plan that I put on paper. Like we, we go on a vacation every single quarter. So four times a year, we'll take two weeks every month. We're going hiking or camping at the beach or doing something but everything's very intentional because again when i set it up i set it up for my family right and and if you're intentional and your your heart's pure about it it's gonna happen it's gonna happen it takes time but it's crazy and and that's one of the things looking on my life everything i ever said i wanted to do i did and i've done you know from climbing 14ers i've surfed in hawaii costa rica pacific coast like i've surfed everywhere i wanted to surf can't really surf that well anymore, you know, as I get older, but I still, I still just surfed in Kauai last year again, but a marathon, like anything. And, and that's what I, that's what I find uh, so difficult. I guess I wish I would have understood that years ago, but I still did everything that I set out to do. And so now I'm excited about this new mission, but the mind is yeah, so strong. Well, you just have to be intentional. Oh, it's nuts. Well, and then to your point earlier, like it's it's not always going to be in order. Like there's going to be some chaos Mm-mm. in between. Like there's always chaos before beauty. Like yep. you know, if you look at the, like planet Earth, this is a wild example I'm about to give you. But look at planet Earth. I mean, it used to be a molten rock, right? It got hit by an asteroid that wiped out entire species. But again, we wouldn't be here being able to do this and create what we're creating and, and who we are without some insane shit happening beforehand. Right? So there's always there's always chaos beforehand. And it, I think some people, some people just get addicted to like the dopamine, like the vanity metrics. I mean, and to the, uh, the point when you were growing up, like your parents had seen like keeping up with the Joneses, just vanity metrics. Is my car nicer than theirs? Are my kids better at sports than theirs? Are my dressing nicer? Nicer fancy yard look better? These are all vanity metrics that don't actually mean anything other than the mm-hmm. weight that you give them. Like they don't actually, I mean, sure. If you're, you know, selling houses, a nicer car helps in the sale, but again, it's all vanity metrics and we get so addicted to those. Like we are surrounded by these highlight reels 
So then we get like, especially in the younger generation, they see the highlight reel and they're like, I want to do that. And then they go to try to do it. And they're like, crap, it takes hard work. I'm, I'm stuck in the chaos before I can get mm-hmm. to the order. And then, and then they, they, they get, they might get close to it or, you know, they, they don't see, you know, the, the results that I'm seeing on YouTube right away. So like, what the hell am I doing? And then they pivot. They're always changing. Mm-hmm. We're just, we're so addicted to, like, I, I think that, that dopamine is probably the most harmful natural drug that we have because it just gives us addicted to all these short sighted things that are just, again, they're just vanity metrics that we get addicted to. Why do you suppose? Why do I suppose that we're addicted to it? Yeah, yeah. Why? why is, it feels good. Why are these... Like any other drug, it feels yeah. good. It makes us, it's, it, they're, they're quick, they're easy to get because we'll, we'll, you know, you get a new follower on, tiktok or whatever you get a bunch of people liking your stuff on tiktok or whatever just like that feels good and it's easy to get in the grand scheme of things and you can replicate it doing over and over again but the thing with dopamine is that we get the hit of dopamine but then it's gone really really quickly so it's just like a drug like mm-hmm. we do like if, if somebody's you know addicted to heroin or cocaine it doesn't last forever and they're always chasing it always chasing it so i think it's the same thing like we're just always chasing that that short-sighted short-lived feeling of and then also it's just the society like we want to fit in we want to impress people right so like i want to i want to be a youtuber or i want to you know own a great business i want to be like alex Ramosi. and then they get into it and then they realize that there's no dopamine for a very long time and yeah, yeah. Well, i don't, don't want to i don't know if i want to do this anymore yeah like i think i, I mean I, I think it could mean there's probably a more profound reason behind it but I also think, you know, sometimes there's the big answers are all, all sometimes simply answered. The big questions are simply answered. Um, I think we're just, it's just easy. It's just easier. It's perceived as easier to get and it's short lived. Yeah. And that's something that I, I'm trying to impose on my kids because, uh, like they love, they love that quick fix and then they're done, you know, and it's like, no, Let's, you, you've got to sit, you've got to be patient. And it's the world. I mean, the the entire world is that way. We live in the matrix and everyone's controlled by this. It keeps everyone distracted on becoming better and greater and, and just more for, for mankind. I feel, uh, I heard Joe Rogan talking about it the other day that humans will be extinct here, here in like the next 50,000 years because, you know, now everybody's so locked into porn online. Got, we have sex robots. Like, like we, we, we're going into a weird, really different time. Of I mean, course, my mind goes straight like, to. <laughs> go ahead. Well, I go straight to how can I capitalize on this? Of course, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, it is, it is what it is. You can look out for you too. We're way not going to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're not. Yeah. yeah. Probably, probably not. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean that's an interesting concept, like us not being here. But I mean, life is just so e- in the grand scheme of things, life is so easy. Again, mm-hmm. we were not, we're not evolved that much. Like we're, again, we're not that much different from chimpanzees. Life no. was really difficult. Like there, at one yeah. point, there was only like a thousand of us on the planet because we kept getting eaten and killed, and volcanoes were blowing up and all this kind of stuff. Like imagine how difficult life was for those a thousand humanoids, whatever they were called back then. Yeah, and then to think even even a thousand years ago, when you know we would get you get you get a cut on your finger and then you could die. You know, like it, like things were so. You had to hunt for your food. You, nothing was provided. No electricity. There was no video games. There was no TV. There was the opportunities that you had. Like you didn't get a job because I'm gonna find out what I love to do and then go do it. It's like no, my dad was a life now. Like things were mm-hmm. so hard in comparison. The things are so easy now, so easy now. So 
it's almost like we're stunting like we're stunting like the natural evolution of humankind like it's we like we're supposed to be we're supposed to evolve to i mean supposed to is i guess an interesting word to use but life is supposed to evolve to overcome to keep to keep living to reproduce properly to you know get stronger faster smarter um you know adopt to your environment kind of thing and then we just created this environment where we can sit in a chair and make millions of dollars trading bitcoin and then the biggest mm-hmm. problem you have in your day is that DoorDash is not delivering like you know what i mean like it's, it's like we're it's, the way we're evolving it's it's very interesting so to say that we won't be here around for we won't be around for fifty thousand years i think it's pretty accurate because we're, we're like evolving in the wrong direction and in some ways in a lot of ways not like some of the stuff AI yeah. robot that Tesla just built nuts, like all this stuff. But I definitely, that's an interesting concept. That's another show. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Uh, that robot's pretty crazy. Reminds me of that Will nuts. Smith movie. Yeah. It's, oh yeah. yeah. Well, that's exactly what they look like. And they have to make I, it I, look robot, like, yeah. Yeah. And they have to make it look like a movie where the robots try to kill everybody. Like, of course, <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> come on, dude. Well, <laughs> Design. I mean, if, if they evolve far enough, I wonder. I, I wonder what the actual population of people uh, that just don't want to evolve. Because I mean, I, I think about you think about the human race as a whole, right? We still have people living in villages and areas that we don't even know of. They're still living right, right? They're surviving. I wonder what that population is versus you know the lazy couch potatoes that are pissed off about DoorDash and don't want to do anything. Yeah. That- <laughs> That's, that's not that's enough. Not, I don't. I don't not think enough. enough. I mean, when when we all kill ourselves, they'll probably still be around just fine, and then they'll repopulate, mm-hmm. and then it'll be fine. So that's probably going to cut that out. That was an interesting. <laughs> yeah, that, that was that's a turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a turn. <laughs> Anyways, Ray, absolute pleasure. You know, it's not. I would call you a friend. Um, I'm very excited yeah. to be part of your community. I'm very excited for you to be a part of ours. Uh, but there's a question that I ask everybody at the end of our podcast for you, Ray Torino. What is the next summit that you are chasing? I change. I, I chase summits every day, and it's changing one person's life at a time. Uh, but right now, it's it's just to continue to change lives and loving people. You know, just continue to radiate out and just just love as many people as possible. I think that the summit will always be there and I'll always be chasing it. But right now it's just to continue to love and grow. Grow the love. Hashtag. Do you have a, do, 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 there you go. Do you have a, do you have a number? Like how many, how many people, how many people's lives do you want to change? Do you have a number? I always say 1 million only because that 1 million will go and change another million and change another million. So the the real answer is I want to change the fucking world, right? But that number is a million, million people. So directly you want to change a million lives. Directly one and million each one lives. of those people change however many. They, each, each one of them change 500, whatever, whatever the number is. But I, I get it. Exponential growth. It ripples out. Yeah. Exactly, brother. Because well, that's, that's amazing. It, and again, anything I can do to be a part of that, I am all for um, but take oh, take a yeah. minute. Uh, where can people find you? Um, your podcast podcast is great. Where but where else can they find you? Yeah, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, Ray Trevino. I'm I'm probably the first one that pops up. Uh, Balance Purpose Podcast dot com, and uh, you can email me at 
uh, Ray at balancepurposepodcast.com. Beautiful. Blow up his email, everybody. Fill up that <laughs> inbox. Ray, it's always a pleasure. Uh, again, the, the mission, being able to talk to people who have uh, individuals who have similar missions or very very clear on what their mission is and how they're going to achieve it. It's an, it's an absolute honor, and I'm, I'm glad that you exist, my friend. Oh, man. Likewise, Zach. I can't wait to hang out, dude. Big things are yeah, coming. Let's do it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> everybody, stay tuned. Check out Ray. Links will be in the description. Thanks again for watching. Thank you for watching this episode of the Summit Chasers podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed, you were inspired, you learned something that you can use to go and chase whatever your next summit may be. Be sure to like and comment your takeaways from the episode below. Also, follow us on all social media platforms under Summit Chasers Network. And if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to turn on your notifications so you can be notified when we drop new content like how-to videos, business best practices, motivation, and personal development strategies. And until next time, keep chasing your summit. I'll see you on the next one.